welcome into episode 12 of Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast here live on Twitch, live on YouTube every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific. And then wherever you get your podcast, Greasy Wrestling fans, do you get it on Spotify? Do you get it on Apple? Do you get it on Google? Do you watch the video version with the chapters in the description so you can hop around from topic to topic, uh, uh, wrestling match to wrestling match, just like you do on Raw, where you fast forward all those shitty, meaningless matches in the middle of the show that you don't care about. Well, you could do that on Rope Break 2, the video version. Wow, we just got started, and I'm already fully off the rails. Welcome back, Greasy Wrestling fans. And I'm hyped. I'm obviously hyped. I'm hyped to be back on a new episode of Rope Break. We did an episode last Wednesday. We are back on Tuesdays now, officially. It's just Tuesdays moving forward, wrestling fans. So go ahead and mark your agenda books if you're listening. Every Tuesday in the month of December is a Rope Break Tuesday, and I'm even including December 26th, Boxing Day. It's no longer Boxing Day. It's going to be rechristened as Wrestling Day. Har, 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 har. And I have rechristened Santa Claus if you're watching the video version. If you're looking at me right now, Santa Claus has been rechristened this year. And I'm really fired up about it. I'm excited about it. Because he's been he's been rechristened. They trimmed Santa Claus's normally very robust and impressive fool and thick. <laughs> fool, thick, and robust beard. <laughs> they took Santa Claus's full robust beard and we've rechristened him. We've we've trimmed it down. And I'm going to be your new Santa Claus, which means now Santa Claus has this 1970s style porn mustache. We've just we've rechristened it. We've 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 done a more modern take. Santa Claus is from like the 1860s or whatever the fuck Santa Claus is from. And we wanted to make him a little bit more modern. So we went for 1970s police officer. We got the we got we got rid of the beard and we replaced it with a sexy mustache. And I'm your new Santa Claus now. Congratulations. AEW fans everywhere are heartbroken that Greg Flynn <laughs> is their new is their new Santa Claus. They're like, oh no, we're not gonna get our AEW action figures for Christmas. And isn't it interesting? Because that is what we are talking about today. We are talking about Christmas presents for the wrestling fan in your life. And I'm not talking about wrestling action figures. I don't know if you remember Christmas morning when you were a kid. Maybe you are a kid. I remember it vividly. I remember it incredibly well because coming downstairs, it was great, you guys. It was great in the Greg Flynn household as a kid on Christmas morning. I'll just say it. From a materialism, my childhood had its issues. From a materialism standpoint, things were going really well. I would. I was an only child, which meant I had grandparents on both sides as well as my own parents just just sending all the materialism my way. So I was waking up to WCW NWO revenge on Christmas morning for the N64 and wrestling action figures. 
and a variety of other things. It was awesome coming down those stairs. I remember it so well. Coming down those stairs and you see all the presents and you shake them and you smell them and you wonder if you could peel that tape just so, just so perfectly. If I just gently peel this tape off, my parents won't even know that I looked inside of this present. Oh my God, it's a PlayStation! Those were the fucking days. And then you get older, you guys. You grow up. I want to say you, go, you grow out of Christmas, but maybe your tastes change. You become a little bit more refined. You become a little bit more mature. You grow a mustache to signify the evolution that you've <laughs> been going through as a greasy wrestling fan and a man. And at the end of that tunnel, you find yourself doing something you hated as a child. <gasps> reading books. Do you remember when you got a book for Christmas? It was the fucking worst. <laughs> it was so bad. I want a book. I want a movie or a video game or tickets to wrestling or just something awesome. Music, a CD. It was 1998. They had what was called compact discs, kids. It was great. But you, you weren't excited for a book. And maybe now that you're getting a little bit older, and this is my theory here on Rope Break today, on episode 12. Now that you're older, you're a little bit more refined, you drink old fashions now, <laughs> you're ready to start reading some wrestling books. So I'm going to break down the wrestling books for all different types of wrestling fans this holiday season. Because everyone has a greasy wrestling fan in their life. Everyone's there's we hide we hide in the floorboards and in the rafters we're like cockroaches we're everywhere and we're not always revealing that we're there but we're there so there is a greasy wrestling fan in your life and so we're going to talk about what books to get what different type of people and who knows maybe you are the greasy wrestling fan in your own life just like I am for me that's a role I fill for myself in my life so so maybe these books are for you. And I have talked about wrestling books on the podcast before, but when I came up with this idea for today's show, I got really fucking jazzed. I made a big stack of all my books. It's two because I do most of my reading on a Kindle. But still, it was a lot of fun. I did a lot of research and I grabbed little stories out of each of the books and I thought about it. And I was like, okay, what kind of person needs to read all these different style of books so they can learn about the history of wrestling and how we are where we are now and what even is wrestling and who are the men and women who make wrestling happen? And why is this weird form of theater sport permeating the culture so aggressively to this day? This half-fake, half-not-fake, half-pretending-it's-real, half-owning-that-it's-fake sort of vibe and thing and activity and show and show and show at the end of the day. And reading the books of wrestlers and reading the books of wrestling bookers and reading history books about wrestling can provide so much context for what is happening in the business. And if you're listening to podcasts like this, I would be so bold as to say, you greasy wrestling fan are ready for the next step in your wrestling journey. And that is these wrestling books. And since you're taking that next step, and since maybe you haven't read a whole lot of books in your life, who knows, or at least wrestling books, just to continue the meme, I don't want to make assumptions about greasy wrestling fans. I'm just continuing the meme. So maybe you haven't read a lot of books, 
And maybe you're about my age. I mean, that, that seems like it would add up if you're listening. Maybe you're about my age, which means you grew up with the Attitude Era. You grew up as a fan of Stone Cold Steve Austin. You grew up as a fan of The Rock. You grew up, uh, well, I was going to say of, of NWO Hulk Hogan. He wasn't exactly in the WWF. But the same, the same era, the same time frame, that late 90s, early 2000s. There was a book that came out during that time by one of the top, top wrestlers in the world. And it was, I mean, I'll just tease it a little. It was overwhelmingly honest. It was beautifully authentic. It was humble. It was gracious and dripping in gratitude, not just for professional wrestling, but for life. And it's an amazing book. And this is what I love about reading. You get so deep inside of the, of the mind of the person who wrote it, especially if it's well-written and honest and authentic and vulnerable. And that is what my first book recommendation for Christmas does. This is Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind. This is the OG of wrestling books. Sure, wrestling books got written before this. None were as prominent in the culture, in part because of the Attitude Era and how big wrestling was back then. And, and then the next step, how big Mankind was back then. And how good this book is. When I started reading it, you guys, this came, this was written, I have it in my notes, in 1999, and when I, I, I read it recently, but when I started reading it, I was terrified, in particular because of this little, if you're watching the video version, I'm pointing to it on the cover of the book, but partially because of the, of the WWE publication. I was terrified going into this that Mick Foley was going to be too kind and too flowery about some of his peers, about some of his bosses, and about some of his experiences, given the fact that WWE was largely paying him to write this. And while that ended up kind of being true, what you see in reading it is that the reason it's true is because Mick Foley is a really insanely smart, aware, kind, and like I said earlier, gracious man who has gratitude for the things that got him to where he is in life. So while it is sort of kind of Vince McMahon and the WWE, and while I love bashing Vince McMahon as much as the next kid, um... This book, this wasn't fake. It wasn't inauthentic. It was authentic. He is genuinely talking about in this book when he gets to the WWE. And that's the other good part about this book. It's, it's a lifelong autobiography up until the moment, which is 1999 when he wrote it. He doesn't know how to use a computer, you guys. And he writes about it in the book. He, the whole book was written on paper by hand. Notebook paper that he just like pushed together and he would cross it out and he would write it backstage while he was waiting to go on for a match. He literally writes about it. The debt, oh, and this is this will be like an anecdote from the story that the, the death of Owen Hart happens while he is writing the book, like he's halfway through writing it, and he's kind of fourth wall breaking in that way. He talks about writing the book while he's writing the book. And so when Owen Hart dies, there's a chapter like, I'm at this show. Owen Hart just died. 
this freak accident just happened. I did. So you're literally getting inside of the mind. I'm getting emotional. This is what is so great about these books, you guys. You're literally getting inside of the mind in the moment of, in this example, one of the most heartbreaking events in pro wrestling history. And you're getting inside the mind of one of the most articulate, intelligent men who also happened to be one of Owen Hart's best friends at the time. I don't know about best friends, but he breaks it down. They hung out a lot. All of the pranks that Owen Hart was notorious for and his his boyish charm and attitude about life and wrestling. What a family man Owen Hart was. Mick Foley, devoted family man. These two had a lot in common. And so to have that event happen while he was writing the book, it's... I don't know how to word it. It's just incredible insight that we're very lucky to have. It's heartbreaking that the event happened that led to that. But it's an amazing example of how good this book is and the insight you can get from reading these sort of books when they're well-written. It's an amazing journey. He talks about being a kid. He talks about love and wrestling. He talks about working for WCW. He talks about what got him into death matches. He talks about the original uh, 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 ideas that led to Dude Love, if you're familiar with Mankind, and Dude Love, which led to Cactus Jack. Um, you know, Cactus Jack was a name that he took from his dad. That was his dad's nickname as a high school athletic director because he was such a hard ass. His name was Cactus Jack because he was a tough sports guy in the 1970s or 1980s. So you're getting this behind the scenes on a guy who is very working class American combined with deeply insightful, deeply empathetic, deeply kind, deeply brilliant. Can't recommend it enough. If you've never read a wrestling book or the greasy wrestling fan in your life has never read a wrestling book, you can just tell by that coating of Cheetos over them that they've never read. I'm so mean sometimes. I can't help it. Get them Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley. We got to move on. First book recommendation. We're going to do a few book recommendations, take a break, and then do a few more as an aside for, for what we're gearing up for. I, I didn't explain that at the beginning. My apologies, guys. And I will say a little tease. I saved the best book for last because you got to do that. My personal favorite is the last one. I forgot to mention that. So, you know, if you're watching live, you got to stay till the end. But moving on. You're well read now. You've read a book. You read you read Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley. You're ready to take the next step. And you're thinking, you're watching Raw, and you're thinking about what book do I like? And then Gunther comes on the screen with the Imperium. And Gunther, and he comes in with all of his Gunther energy. And the announcers are shouting about how this man is the greatest and longest reigning intercontinental champion in the history of the WWE. Well... I would say there is one man, one man left, who still has a claim at being the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. There's one man who still has a claim that he did more with that belt, brought more fame, notoriety, promise, hype, whatever you want to call it, attention to that belt than Gunther. Gunther, excuse me, Gunther. (laughs) <laughs> then did Gunther, then has Gunther so far. And it's not the honky-tonk man. <laughs> it's not, uh, I don't know who else, the ultimate warrior. It's not Shawn Michaels, okay? 
We've had some good Intercontinental Champions. It's a cool belt. I'm a sucker for mid-card belts. But the man who arguably did more for the Intercontinental belt than any other champion, including Gunther, is the man who wrote this book, the next book recommendation, Accepted. How the first gay superstar changed the WWE autobiography by Pat Patterson. This is a phenomenal book. I, I don't know that Pat Patterson is exactly the same vibe, excuse me, as a Mick Foley. But you can tell by that subtitle, how the first gay superstar changed the WWE, that not unlike with the Mick Foley book, it gets into the meat and potatoes of the man and the people behind the curtain, behind the show, behind the kayfabe. Behind all of it, who is the human being that is doing this? And in the case of Pat Patterson, it was a fun-loving, beautiful human being. I mean, that's how I would describe him, is joyful. Again, I would talk about gratitude. You're going to hear that word a lot. I love people that have gratitude. And I feel like when you talk about people who have had success in show business and then gone on to write decent books about it, they have a level of awareness and gratitude, I think, to accomplish all that. So you're going to hear that a lot today. But Pat Patterson, being gay in that time period, we're talking about the 1960s, 70s. He was largely retired by the early 1980s. And if you don't know, he was actually the referee for the main event of WrestleMania One. And he goes on uh, in his life to be one of Vince McMahon's stooges. We were just talking about the Attitude Era. At the age of 60 and 70, he was still taking bumps and appearing on camera. And I'll just say, boy, we've been glamming up Vince McMahon this morning. Pat Patterson, if you're curious about the good of Vince McMahon, if you're curious about, like, how did Vince McMahon accomplish all this and who is he as a human – Uniquely, this book by Pat Patterson is going to provide a ton of insight into it because this is a smart, uh, joyful man filled with gratitude talking about what it was like to basically be Vince McMahon's right hand and best friend for 30 years from the beginning, quote unquote, right, of Vince McMahon Jr., in the mid-1980s, early 1980s, and Pat Patterson coming over from the territories, coming over from the West Coast, San Francisco, and Portland wrestling. He talks about his days wrestling there, and he gets pulled over to New York and WWE, and his relationship with Vince, and Vince's family. He talks about the kids, Shane and Stephanie, as little kids. Uh, It's an awesome book. It was written in 2016, And Pat Patterson has since passed away. And I will just say, just to come full circle with the Intercontinental Championship reference, he was the first ever Intercontinental Champion. And they gave it to him during a four-show run at Madison Square Garden, wherein he fought in the main event against Bob Backlund for the WWWF World Championship. This is in Vince McMahon Sr.'s day. And so four nights in a row, main event against Bob Backlund. Backlund's not dropping the belt. 
So how do we keep adding intrigue into this? How do we keep adding hype into this? Oh, as an aside, the bad guy, Pat Patterson, is also the Intercontinental Champion. They just gave it to him in the middle of that four-match run. And they said that he won it at a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And Patterson jokes in the book how he never went to Rio his whole life. And I'll just, I'll, I'll even say as a aside or comment of, I've talked about this book on the podcast before, and I've made TikToks about this book, and I had a whole bunch of angry commenters telling me, Pat Patterson won that at a tournament in Rio. People don't know. They bought the story, and it's not true. Stories in wrestling not being true? What is even happening? I don't know. It's awesome. It's an awesome book filled with awesome stories like that. And he does talk about being gay. He has a life partner. Um, he didn't have, I'll just be blunt, he uniquely doesn't have a lot of battles, if you will, in his life regarding being gay. He doesn't face a ton of homophobia. He does encounter it. Um, but <laughs> he tells amazing stories about hanging out with his tag team partner, Ray Stevens, and their sexual exploits, and how his gay life partner, Louie, didn't mind him getting blowjobs from women with Ray when they were hanging out together. I mean, this motherfucker goes into some joyful gratitude detail about what it was like to be, uh, to be a pro wrestler, if you will. He tells great stories. All these guys tell great stories. So it's an awesome book for fans of Gunther. And, uh, yeah, maybe for anyone who, I mean, anyone who's drawn, frankly, to the theatrical side of wrestling, I would say. Anyone who's drawn to the showmanship. Anyone who's drawn to the fact that there is a curtain and costumes and glitter, like, or baby oil. <laughs> that This is the book for you, and I don't, I hope that doesn't sound cliche. It's, it's not. This is genuinely who Pat Patterson was. And sort of the side of wrestling that he's in a lot of ways coming from, uniquely, at the same time, he was also one of the best in-ring workers they talk about in the book. You can go back and watch his matches. He is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. One of my all-time favorites. Pat Patterson, Accepted, is the name of the book. Get it for the greasy wrestling fan in your life. Hey, let's do one more before we take our first break of the day. And this next one, before the break, is going to keep on theme that we've had. Okay, so we had an Attitude Era fan who had never read a wrestling book before. We, we recommended to them, have a nice day. This next book is for an Attitude Era fan who has read books before. Maybe, maybe a little bit older, a little bit, been drinking old fashions for a little while. The mustache is getting a little long and in a good way. It's well, it's well groomed and it's clearly a product of experience and refinement and somebody with a little bit of tact and a little bit of class. This, this type of wrestling fan, you know, like you and I, Rope Break listeners, wrestling fans like us. The next book, and I don't have a hard copy of it, I'll hold up my Kindle. There you go. You see a gray little square on your screen. The next <laughs> book is, excuse me, I scrolled on my notes, is, is Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling by Jim Ross, J.R., written in 2017. My Life in Wrestling by Jim Ross. This is an awesome book as well. It's his life story. Uh, it, it's written in 2017, so you're not getting any AEW stuff. But you are getting the Attitude Era. Jerry the King. 
but you're also getting his work in talent relations. You're learning about his work with Stone Cold, Mankind, The Rock, behind the scenes. He, taught, he tells a story in the book about sitting down at a diner with The Rock before The Rock was The Rock and getting a sense immediately that he was talking to The Fucking Rock. He wasn't The Rock yet. He was, du- he was Dwayne. But this guy was somebody. Jim Ross could identify it early. He talks about different people he identified early. And he, he's humble. He talks about misses he had in talent relations and scouting and all that. He talks about what it's like to get into announcing, too. And I'll say that it's a really good book. And it's a really good book for anybody who um, isn't a wrestler but is really interested in wrestling. Like for the EFED, I play the role of an announcer. And so obviously for me, it was incredibly interesting to read how he got into that, his views on what announcing even is, how you're supposed to do it, the mechanics of what is happening, the intersection between interpersonal chemistry uh, in an announcing booth with storytelling. He talks about uh, you know, all the different producers he's worked with over the years, including Vince McMahon and, and how they operate getting stories over, how they operate booking everything. I mean, it's, it's an awesome behind-the-scenes look. I will say, and the reason I joke about having tact and class as a wrestling fan in order to enjoy it or in order for it to be for you or whatever, is that he kind of does bring a little bit of a energy of holding back at times in a way like, Mick Foley won't, and in a way, some other people won't. But if you're a fan of Jim Ross, if you're a fan of this era of wrestling, if you're interested in the people who get involved in the business who aren't wrestlers, because there's a lot of them, and how do they get in, and why do they get in, and, and who are they, and what are their motivations, Jim Ross is just the S-tier, S-class, top-of-the-line person when it comes to those type of people. So Slobberknocker by Jim Ross. He wrote another book, Under the Black Hat, a few years later. I haven't read it, but I was interested. He's got a new book coming out next year, and it's stories about some of his favorite calls, and it says it's going to be over a 50-year period. It's called Business is About to Pick Up, and that's coming out in March next year. And I was as I was getting ready for this, I saw that. I was like, this is, this is very interesting, Jim Ross. You're talking about the biggest wrestling matches and calls over the last 50 years? It sounds like the type of wrestling book that a greasy wrestling fan like myself would very much enjoy. Hey! It's time for a break, wrestling fans. Let's take five, and when we come back, we got three more books for you. And the wrestling fan in your life, including the last one, which may be my all-time favorite book. I don't know. Stay with me. We'll decide after the break. Episode 12, a pro wrestling podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget we're live on Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget the E-Fed is going to be live this Friday, next Friday, December 8th, December 15th. And then our big pay-per-view show is Slampta. 
technically it's slammed a four for the fourth straight year, and that's going to be December 23rd, Saturday night. We got some big eFed shows coming up. Come hang out, join in the creativity, join in the fun, the inspiration, the pro wrestling, the memes. It's a great way to spend a Friday night in Guadalajara, Mexico. Come check out the WMW eFed. But before that, we got to get through these books. It's not Friday, Greg. It's Tuesday. It's rope break time. We got a few more books to get through. These are good ones. It's going to start picking up here. These ones are, I think, are a little more controversial, or at least I feel like I can use them to spark a little controversy, which is always fun. But before I get to it, I was trying to think during the break, like what? And I'm curious, uh, you guys can leave a comment. Let me know. What is your number one favorite wrestling-themed Christmas gift that you ever got? Was there ever a Christmas that you got wrestling tickets, wrestling action figures, wrestling books? I don't know. Something in pro wrestling that was just so awesome that it totally made the holiday season for you. It made your day. It made your week. It made your life. It's trying to think of a wrestling gift that could make your life. Maybe if your dad was like a pro wrestler and he left when you were real young and then he came back one day. <laughs> He's like, I'm back, son, and I love you. Let's go play catch. And, and also, I'm a pro wrestler. That would be a life-changing wrestling Christmas present. Welcome home, Dad. We missed you while you were gone. <laughs> Speaking of welcome home, Dad, this next book, this book I picked to introduce young people, and I think they wrote it for the same reason, to introduce young people, not just to pro wrestling, but to introduce them to one of the greatest minds for sparking controversy and sparking fun in pro wrestling history. This book is for the wrestling fan in your life this holiday season under the age of 14 because it's a history book that is also a comic book. It's fantastic. It is Jim Cornette Presents Behind the Curtain. Real pro wrestling stories. It came out in 2019. And yes, you heard that right. The Jim Cornette of podcast fame, the Jim Cornette of Yokozuna fame, (laughs) and Midnight Express fame, wrote a comic book to introduce young people to some of the history of pro wrestling, the real history, the Sputnik Monroe history. This was maybe my favorite story in the book, and I don't want to tell the whole story necessarily, every dirty detail. Go read the book. It's awesome. I read it on Kindle. But Sputnik Monroe, if you're not familiar, and this story is in the comic book along with some others, was a heel wrestler in Memphis, Tennessee in the 1950s, in Jim Crow, Tennessee, in a Tennessee where black people had to sit up on the balcony far away and only white people were allowed to sit on the floor ringside of a wrestling event. Along comes Sputnik Monroe, who doesn't give a shit about any of that. You know what he cares about? Having fun and making money in pro wrestling. So he's a heel. And what does he do? What does he notice? He notices that if he puts his arm around a black man, 
just just casually, and this happens one day, and you can read the details of it, but just casually in, in the arena that the wrestling show is taking place in, people will start getting really fucking mad at him. And if he kisses that black man on the cheek, people will get even angrier. And if you happen to believe that all humans are just humans, regardless of their skin color, and you're trying to piss off wrestling fans, well, now you have a winner. And Sputnik Monroe, as a heel, quote unquote, I mean, he really redefined tweener because he was a babyface for people of color in Memphis, Tennessee, because he was hanging out with them. He was going to black bars and pubs and black diners and just hanging out, giving out wrestling tickets, being a friend, being a promoter, being in show business, just doing the thing. (laughs) And that's what's so remarkable about it. Excuse me. I'm like slobbering. I'm so excited. But it is. It's what's so remarkable about it. Which is that (laughs) wrestling is good. (laughs) If you remove stupid human bullshit and you just look at what this guy's doing from a wrestling standpoint, it's pro wrestling and his desire to succeed in it, Sputnik Monroe, that's causing him to navigate life through this middle ground, through these waters that are treacherous at the time. And he's getting arrested on trumped up charges that don't make any sense. And he's literally hiring black lawyers to represent him because he feels like, fuck this shit. (laughs) This is stupid. And I can actually get over using it to my advantage. And he does. And that's what's cool about the comic book. There's a few other stories like that. He goes into more detail about Sputnik Monroe. It provides context, and that is what Jim Cornette does on his podcast week after week that he's so good at. He's got a whole other side of him. He's ready to spark controversy. I get that, and people feel different ways about Cornette. I love Cornette. I love his content, and I love his work in wrestling. I don't know a ton about his personal life. I don't feel like I need to, barring something Uh, And I feel like that's where some people go with Cornette. I'm getting off the rails. I'm getting off the rails. (laughs) Cornette is awesome at exactly this. He is a living, breathing history book on pro wrestling. There's stories. He breaks down the Montreal Screwjob. He breaks down a variety of things in pro wrestling. So, yeah, you're getting a racial history lesson and context. You're also getting booking lessons and performance lessons all in a package bite-sized comic book for a 14-year-old wrestling fan who doesn't even need to know or care about Jim Cornette. It's perfect. And he, and he or she may not know about Cornette after the book because that's what's cool about it. It's telling stories that Cornette feels are important for a young wrestling fan to know about. This is what you got to know if you're going to join the conversation, if you're going to join the ongoing dialogue around pro wrestling. Cornette's so good at this. So I highly recommend Jim Cornette presents Behind the Curtain for the teenage wrestling fan in your life. They got to be a greasy teenage wrestling fan. They can't be like a clean cut. It's only greasy ones here on Rope Break. All right. All right. (laughs) This is a big one for me because this is the one that's going to get me in all sorts of trouble if I cut it up into TikToks and post it on social media. This is the one that's going to have people pissed off. Because this next Christmas book recommendation is for the AEW mark in your life. 
The AEW fan who loves that all the debuts are exactly the same. The AEW fan who loves that there's no context to any of the matches. The AEW fan who loves the exorbitant salaries being paid to all these wrestlers for seemingly no reason. The AEW fan who sees nothing wrong with anything happening in AEW. The book I would recommend to them is called Nitro. The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW. This was written by a man named Guy Evans in 2018. This is a 300-page, well-researched history book about not even WCW, but WCW Nitro. He focuses on the show. Because in a sense, that's what wrestling is, right? It is the show. He focuses on the show. The show that we all know for 83 straight weeks actually outperformed WWE Nitro, or excuse me, Raw, WWE Raw, in the ratings. The show led by Eric Bischoff and Ted Turner and Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash that nearly slayed the giant nearly redefined wrestling forever and that's what we look at when we see AEW and I'm for real about this AEW marks you ha- this is mandatory reading and oh my god I mean I feel like a lot of people lived it and I feel like a lot like Tony Khan might have lived it but Tony Khan needs to read this book and Tony Khan might even talk to Eric Bischoff about what, what went wrong. But here's the thing. Eric Bischoff, 20 years later, is biased. But what Eric Bischoff said that is in quotations about that time period, from that time period, in a well-researched book, that's forever. That is a snapshot of what he was thinking when decisions were being made and what the influences in him or what the influences in WCW were that caused decisions to get made. Why is Bret Hart being brought in at an insane contract in what, 1999, and then wildly underused until he eventually takes a super kick from Goldberg and breaks his neck and has to retire? What is it about WCW behind the scenes that's causing the finger poke of doom? What is it about WCW behind the scenes that's causing Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan, the match that everyone is clamoring for, to get rushed and hot shot booked onto a Monday Nitro episode when everyone really felt like they could sell some pay-per-view buys and make a ton of money off that same match if they did it differently? What was going on? Who were these people? Who was Eric Bischoff? Who was Ted Turner? What was the WCW? It was the NWA. It was, it was Bill Watts. Who, who is Bill Watts? This is an awesome book. And the reason every AEW mark has to read this, and why Tony Khan needs to read this if he hasn't, is because the way you stop history from repeating itself, the way you stop any less than ideal outcome from happening, is to raise your awareness of how it happens. Which is to say you want to stop history from repeating itself, you have to learn why it is. Why is history repeating itself? How did this happen the first time? We have had a billionaire who had limited to no 
True Blue Wrestling Experience running a wrestling company before that is competing with WWE. All of this has happened before. So it would be the level of arrogance and hubris one would have to have to not believe that there is incredible lessons to be gleaned from studying WCW. This is an astronomical level of arrogance you would have to have to just turn a blind eye and say, that was then, this is now. (laughs) I mean, isn't that basically like the level of logic and reasoning behind most villains and most like movies, comic book villains? They don't, they already know enough. They don't need to know more and they're ready to take action. That's Tony Khan here. And that's the AEW marks in this metaphor. I'm not saying anything about this show. I think the show's been great. I think the Continental Classic has been great. I love this shit. I love what I'm seeing on AEW in terms of story and wrestling here in the last whatever. I'm not hating. However, big picture, culture, and hierarchy, and leadership, and management, and creativity. Big, big picture. The overlaps are almost scary. Almost scary. When I read it, it was just like, uh-oh, I've seen that before in AEW. Uh-oh, am I seeing that in AEW? And I will say it's fun to get a little behind the scenes on Eric Bischoff. I think uh, I'll just say that I think that he he has a, <laughs> a self-affirming bias in the way he talks about his choices, that that book does a great job of peeling back the current of the reality of what maybe he really could have done differently and what his blind spots truly were. And it's interesting, just to finish the metaphor, when you think about Tony Khan, is he aware of his blind spots? Does he have anyone in AEW helping him with those blind spots? Or is the money the money the money and he's just in charge in an emotional way that nobody else has that in? It's just sort of everyone's a weird version of a yes man around him. Because that's exactly what was happening with Ted Turner's WCW. There was no life. There was no life. There was no for lack of a better word, anger. There was no passion. There was no drive. There was no oomph, mustard, sand. Call it what you want to call it. Get up and go. There were a lot of guys making $2 million a year getting phone calls about how creative has nothing for you and sitting at home and Eric Bischoff saying, yeah, let's renew all their contracts. Why the fuck not? And all of a sudden, people had issues. Even Ted Turner's money was limited and it all dried up. The whole thing dried up. So for the AEW fan, the book I recommend is Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, which means we have made it, wrestling fans. You've never read a book in your life, but you've been listening to a podcast about books all morning long, and I want to thank you for doing it or all evening, wherever you are, whenever you are there. Thank you for going on the journey with me today. We have one final book left, and then I got a little stocking stuffer in the end for you. I'm not gonna leave you without a little bonus. It's Christmas, it's Christmas. It's porn stash Santa Claus Christmas. So of course there's gonna be a little stocking stuffer in the end. It's probably gonna end up being a dildo. You're gonna have to stay tuned and find out. Okay, the number one book in all of pro wrestling book history. And I'm not exaggerating when I say maybe the number one book for me in my life. 
because I felt like when I read this book, I mind-melded with this man. This was like what I talked about with Mick Foley, where you get behind the scenes in an incredibly interesting mind. On a personal level, it was that to the nth degree. It was amplified and cranked up and methed out. <laughs> I don't know about methed out, but it was extreme. It was, it was an extreme because I felt like I was reading my spiritual mentor. I felt like I was getting an insight into my own life in a unique way. I was understanding wrestling deeper, and through that I was understanding myself deeper. And it's a book about a guy with two kids. I got two kids. He talks about his love for his kids. He talks about his love for wrestling. He talks about his love for cannabis. <laughs> and the overlaps got deeper. They're not just superficial. They were deep. His, his, his affinity for what he likes to see in wrestling. The book I am talking about is My Life in Wrestling by Playboy Gary Hart. And this book is for fans curious about the evolution of booking in pro wrestling. Gary Hart, if you're not familiar was a wrestler, manager, and booker primarily in the WCCW during the days of the territories, the 1970s and the 80s. WCCW, Dallas, Texas, where I'm from, motherfuckers. We're talking about the Von Erichs, the biggest, the biggest wrestlers, I mean, almost in the country in a certain way. If you're not familiar with the Von Erichs in the 80s and the 70s, there is a movie coming out this Christmas called The Iron Claw, starring Zac Efron from High School Musical, big budget Hollywood theaters, the whole, the whole thing. And it's all about the WCCW, particularly the Von Erich boys. There were three of them, Carrie, Kevin, and David. They won the trio's titles. And it was Gary Hart who was responsible for getting them over. He was hired by their dad, Fritz Von Erich, who owned the promotion to manage the promotion creatively and otherwise. And it's amazing insight for how booking is done. Any creative endeavor is an intersection of practical limitations and logistics and reality intersecting with vision and imagination. You have an idea for something and you go to paint it, you go to write it, you go to book it to create the show, you go to do it, and then you hit all sorts of limitations. And in wrestling, this guy's a drug addict. This guy's no-showing. This guy has a problem with that guy and won't work with this guy. And, th and Gary Hart does an amazing job non-judgmentally talking about what that is like and what he felt like he was trying to accomplish throughout his career. He always wanted it to be fun. He always wanted it to be engaging and he always wanted it to be rooted in story. Matches had to be rooted in story. And, and this is a good example. The name of the movie that's coming out, The Iron Claw, is named for a finisher, The Claw, Literally just a hand on the forehead or wherever you wanted to put the hand. But I think traditionally it was on the head. That it was a finisher that was passed down from wrestler to wrestler in that, in that area. 
uh, in that generation. And Gary Hart had had the claw, and he passed it on, and he got it from somebody. And it, it's just awesome. It's just so fucking good at breaking down the reasoning behind things happening, why things are happening. And it's, it's beautiful dirt, too. He, he, he does a great job towing that line between the gossip and the stories and talking about how shitty of a booker Ric Flair was for WCW when he did that briefly, but providing context for it and reasoning for it. And I'll tell one quick story or a side, I guess, anecdote from his book that stuck out to me, which was that he hated Sting. Now you got the Sting, the Icon Sting, AW nowadays, the Icon Sting, and I just, people love Sting. Everyone's obsessed with Sting. He thought Sting was a douchebag who was only in it for himself and the money. And, and what he says in the book that pissed him off about Sting the most is that Sting and a couple other guys, really led by Sting, had an ongoing joke. Now, in defense of Sting, this was 30, 40 years ago. But Sting had an ongoing meme where basically he made fun of mentally handicapped people. Like full bore, body motions, vocal qualities. I'm not going to even, I'm not going to do any of it myself. But full bore making fun of handicapped people because it was funny. Quote, unquote. Sting and he would ringlead some of the boys in doing it. And Gary Hart talks about how it's really the thing that kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for him about Sting. And he even says in the book, he knows he's in the mi minority about Sting, I think. Like how everyone loves Sting, but not for Playboy Gary Hart. What's cool about this book, too, as an aside, it's an amazing Christmas gift for the right person. That person's me. If you're, if you're looking, if you're watching this show, you're listening to this show, and you're like, well, which, what do I get Greg? I, really, I got to get Greg a present. That's the Greg Flynn from Rope Break. I got to get him a Christmas present. What I want for Christmas is a, is, a, is a hardcover of this book because it's out of publication. You can't get it anywhere. It's $1,000 on Amazon right now to get a used copy from a resale bookseller. I read it on PDF for free. You can download it on PDF anywhere. And I did a search this morning and I found the audio book fully on YouTube. So you can get this book without any problems. You can get the information in the book and you can learn about Gary Harden. You, you learn so much history through this book. This one is a huge, huge recommendation. I mean it when I say how emotionally it impacted me. I cried. I mean, I have a deep, spiritual connection to pro wrestling <laughs> I don't know what that says about me but it is true and if you know a greasy wrestling fan in your life who has that who has that passion for wrestling who has that fire for wrestling this is the book for them to recommend for them maybe you download and print the pdf and put it under the christmas tree I don't even know how you deliver it I read the pdf on my little gray kindle and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. It practically changed my life. Um, his openness, his loving heart, his humility, and his passion for pro wrestling. What an awesome book. My Life in Wrestling by Gary Hart. Which means we're almost done, wrestling fans. Have you ever talked about books this much in your life? Maybe not since high school English class. It's time for our stocking stuffer, which is, that's right, it's another book. And it's for the wrestling fan 
who listen to this whole podcast. If you love wrestling books so much that you listen to this entire show talking about my favorite books in the pro wrestling world, then you need to read. I'm making sure I get the name right. <laughs> you need to read. Death of the Territories, written by Tim Hornbaker in 2018. The reason this is a bonus stocking stuffer for a specific type of devoted hardcore listener and reader is because it's a bit of a history book about where the territories were from 1975 to about 1985 or 1990, comparing and contrasting where the WWF was from the same time period. So it's going to break down all some of the, not all some of the territories and where they were and what was going on with them financially and creatively, just like a little snapshot when Vince McMahon Jr. swooped in. And then the other side of that, it does also explain how Vince McMahon swooped in on his dad's company functionally. I say swooped in. It was legit. But how he purchased WWF from his dad and then how that steamrolled into everything else he did, which functionally redefined sports entertainment, redefined pro wrestling, redefined the whole shebang, took it over, dominated it, made it his bitch, and milked that cash cow for everything he could get out of it until one day, years later, he sells to Endeavor for $900 gajillion. Vince McMahon, you get the origins of that story. It's, it's the origin story for, for comic book fans. It's the, it's the Vince McMahon WWF origin story in a certain way. What was the landscape of pro wrestling and how did that initial turnover happen? where we went from a bunch of territories across the country into one preeminent mega power of sports entertainment, for better and for worse. And hopefully, one day I won't have to do a podcast about the death of AEW and the amazing book. Hell, maybe I'll have to write that book one day. I hope I don't have to. Wrestling fans, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys talking about the books this morning, listening, however you're listening. Uh, my passion for pro wrestling, like I said, it's spiritual. It has taught me how to get motivated in life, and it's taught me how to be creative and how to tell stories and where my gifts are as a human being. I've been able to explore that through pro wrestling and becoming an avid reader. I mean, this is kind of an interesting, I didn't plan on saying this, but it really was wrestling books that turned me into an avid reader. I think every book I just listed, you guys, I've read in the last calendar year. Like, yeah, that's got to be true. It's, it's just, I'm not even sure. It's just got to be true. And it just goes to show you, like, I'm consuming these books in volume and it's not even, it's, it's a pleasure and a privilege so if you're not a big reader, and I think a lot of people nowadays aren't, and that's just kind of why I keep going back to that. I don't know. But if you're not, and you are a big wrestling fan, maybe you're like me. Maybe you just didn't know what you liked to read or didn't connect the dots that you can actually read about something that you like. You've been reading the books recommended by English teachers and your parents and all that bullshit all these years. You don't need to. There are 
gifted, articulate, brilliant minds in pro wrestling writing amazing books. You need to check them out this holiday season. Okay, I'm done, wrestling fans. It's time to it's time to land this jet plane. This has been Rope Break Episode 12. I am the Greg Flynn. E-Fed this Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and Rope Break will be back seven days from today, breaking down everything in pro wrestling. Hey, have a great rest of your day, wrestling fans. Bye!